Abstract Athlete Podcast, a collision of art, sports, and science. Welcome, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. To our listeners and sponsors, thank you so much for your amazing support. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. Also, make sure to check out the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and follow us on all of our social media platforms for updates and news. Very excited about the podcast today as I chat with former competitive athlete, licensed clinical social worker, and mental health and sports performance specialist, Lisa Bontasumi. Make sure to follow Lisa on Instagram at Lisa Bontasumi. That's L-I-S-A-B-O-N-T-A-S-U-M-I-I. And you can also go check out her new website, LisaBontasumi.com. Let's welcome Lisa Bontasumi. Hey, how are you? I am awesome. How are you? <laughs> it's I'm nice to actually well. see you in person, sort of. <laughs> likewise, <laughs> likewise. Instead of just hearing our voices, right? We I'm, get to I move and. I always thought that was. Kind of, by the way, I'm recording. I start right off the bat. Um, I always yeah, thought cool. that um, that was a little weird about um, about that platform. But it's still, I, I still like that platform. I just don't do it as much anymore because I think part of the the allure or the 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 timing of that because of COVID, it made it really important. So it was. I agree. Was, I agree. I agree. And now now things are opening up. We're moving around a little bit more. It's yeah. not as pertinent that we connect that way. But sometimes, every now and then. Yeah. No, I jump on every once. So and plus, I just back into teaching so my workload doubled <laughs> so yeah, exactly. It's, exactly. well thank you for so much for doing this because i know we've been talking for a little while um about trying to to do this and i always gravitated towards you know you when you were on clubhouse because i think what you are doing is so important i think one of the things you'd said at least it resonated with me. You like you were trying to normalize mental health, um, which I think is a. It's important. I think it's uh, you know like you probably would agree. Like in the last t- five to ten years, it is starting to shift. But man, in the last two months, there's been so many people. You know, like with Simone Biles and um, Naomi Osaka, like coming out and being so vulnerable that it's, you know, like, I think that that helps, but it's still like, it's that ebb and flow. It's like, you know, like the Olympics in general, it's like the Olympics been and everything drops off and we forget everything about them. So what Simone brought out, you know, was so important. Then it's like lost. And what Naomi has done is, you know, like so important, but it's been lost. And, you know, like other people, I think like Brandon Marshall and, and Kevin Love speaking out, has been mm-hmm. so freaking important. Um, and so like, I think again, like what you're doing is just, 
you know, it's, it's of the highest of levels of importance in, in my opinion. Um, and just to get in, like, I'll give a little background. Like I know you work with the Oakland roots, which is a USL team. Um, you are also a competitive athlete. So I want to hear about that. Um, but yeah. you also have a child that's uh, a high level competitive athlete. So you're dealing with really, truly all spectrums of athletes and, and I, I'm, I'm assuming like you deal with stuff out in the world. Um, but I always just think like this, when I do a, a, a podcast, like for me, it's just like, it's your platform to throw everything out there because, um, again, like, I think you're an inspiring, important person to talk to. That's why I'm so glad that we finally connected and got to do this. So thank you for doing this. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate all your kind words. I appreciate, you know, the, um, rigor that we both had to, to make this conversation happen. And I think the, any conversation around mental health and especially athlete mental health, I, I would love to add to, um, and keep the conversation going. I hope that what Simone Biles and, um, Naomi Osaka have shared doesn't die out too far. I think it's reaching a lot of people, um, you know, normalizing the conversation is, has a lot to do with knowing what mental health is and what it isn't. And I think there's a, a lot of inaccurate information out there and misinformation and just old school stigma about it. That's the biggest problem, I think, is that old school stigma is like, particularly as, you know, like as a guy, like I, I just had this conversation with a former, actually Reggie Walker the other day, who mm -hmm. I met on Clubhouse as well. And, you know, like guys growing up in this environment and we're supposed to be tough and we're not supposed to talk about these things. And it's like, I, you know, my, one of my things that I was actually talking to Reggie about is I played baseball at Ohio state. I never played. I got redshirted. Then I quit just cause I should not have been in school at the time, but I actually ruined a baseball players. I might've told you this before too. I ruined mm -hmm. a guy's career, not on purpose. Obviously I hit a baseball off of his eye. Oh yeah. And like, you know, destroyed his orbital bone and you know, like he never was able to play again and not one coach spoke to me about it. Not one. And so I'm left out there with this, you know, like, I don't want to say it was guilt, but there was guilt about it. Like, even though I know it, you know, it was like, it was an accident. It was a freak act, like a million to one accident. And just like those things and like that turmoil and you're already an, a, a student, which is like hard enough being in school and having to deal with those things. And so again, like, I just like so much appreciate the fact that people are really starting to become vulnerable and telling stories. And it has to be rewarding for you being in this field, I assume. Absolutely. I mean, I think like we have different experiences with being athletes. I'll share mine in a moment, but that same like lack of support or resource to process whatever went on and that like we carry it, it's trauma. We carry it into our next steps and levels of life, whatever we're doing. Um, and I think that that's, that can be mitigated. Absolutely. Um, it's super rewarding for me because I feel like I am, I'm truly in my purpose. You know, I've been a licensed clinical social worker for over 20 years and doing therapy with people, but it wasn't in the recent years inspired by my daughter um, to actually move and shift and, and take coursework again, go back to school, get mentored hours to like kind of really 
focus on the athlete mental health population in that area. And then also the sport performance side, which I think they go hand in hand. Um, so it was her inspiration because she struggled um, with like lack of belief, negative thoughts, perfectionism, want, you know, crying when she didn't do it right, quote unquote, like what is right anyway? Like, it's just, I, we, me and my husband who's also a therapist, which is funny, um, both like use like cognitive behavioral techniques to help her. And then I was like, oh wait, she can't be the only um, female athlete at this age. She can't be the only female athlete. She can't be the only athlete. Um, and then, you know, our children teach us a lot about ourselves. And so she helped me get back to my own trauma with my own sport that I had pushed away for a long, long time um, to just, it was too painful to just keep that alive. But she helped me take a look at it, face it, process it. And, you know, I, I am doing now what I wish I had at that age, you know, and, and that is really, really meaningful um, and rewarding and just super powerful. And, and, and having these relationships with my athletes, um, talking about human things, <laughs> not just on the field of play is super just exciting. Just, I feel privileged and it's, it's just, it's great. I feel 20 years younger doing this work. <laughs> I, no, I, you're Lisa, you're, you're speaking to something and I, we might, again, like we, this might be overlapped on stuff we've talked on, on clubhouse about, but you know, I've started, well, you know, what we do with the abstract athlete in, in terms of creativity and like, yes. like the, you know, how, how beneficial that is to, our recovery, our mental health, our mental wellness, our health in general. And what I've started a class at Virginia Commonwealth and, and working on making it a program basically called art and athletics. It basically mirrors the abstract athletes. So it's not just student athletes that are taking the class. It's, it's also artists. It's also nurses, doc, you know, like, or, you know, like people that are in school that, so all these people are in the same class together, which to me, again, is a huge benefit because they're not supposed to be. And, <laughs> and you use that word rewarding. And to me, like there's some of the most rewarding moments. Like I have students texting me at three o'clock in the morning, which is obviously I don't respond because, <laughs> but, but it's the <laughs> fact that they're comfortable enough to go, Hey, I wasn't, I wasn't able to sleep tonight. So I decided to start sketching in my sketchbook and it helped me. And it's just like, I, yes, yes. And, and, and like that word rewarding is, I, I just, I can't, I can't put into words enough, like of how much that means to me that they are comfortable enough and starting to understand that you know, I'm always pushing a proactive approach to wellness as opposed to reactive. So like for me, it's like in the creative space, it's like, you know, you're exercising physically every day because you're an athlete. Try to add at least 20 minutes of a creative practice. You're ritual based. You understand that idea of the habit of the ritual. Do it and see how that actually affects you mentally. And then, you know, like when you have like episodes of anxiety or stress, you can go to that because you realize that this, whatever, it, whether it's writing music or painting or, you know, dancing or whatever, like it works. And so it's, it, yeah, it's just, it is exciting um, and rewarding. Like, again, like to go back to the word you used. Yeah. I mean, I think I love the creative part of it. Like, I think 
what happens a lot from for an athlete going from one level to the next, if it's high school to college, college to semi-pro or pro, or, or like just taking it to the level, there's, there's that transition is tough. And there's a, there's a athlete identity piece that can be lost at each level um, because I'm, 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 I have to reach that higher level to succeed. And then there's less time to do other things. And so I often recommend that my athletes start to explore other ways to express themselves. And it's often in creativity. Um, and there's so many ways you can be creative. Um, and so like, like you said, just 20 minutes, maybe each week to just check something out, something you've never tried before, something that, you know, you, you felt you haven't had the time or you're not good enough for it. Like take the elite athlete mindset out of it and be like, okay, I want to be a student here and express myself. It doesn't have to be good or perfect, but let me just figure out other ways to express myself. Cause one day you, you're not going to be able to compete like you have. And you need to have other ways to feel good about yourself, to value who you are, to know that you're more than just your sport. Um, and so I think that's really, really great what you're doing. I think it's awesome. And good luck on making it a program. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's the hard part is trying to get. There is, so you're working currently with, with the Oakland Roots and obviously with your daughter. So like current athletes in the sense, but are you also like doing that transition out of sports with, with athletes? Because there is, you know, a lot of that trying to find your, you know, like the, the, I I'm only defined as an athlete and what happens when I'm done? Have you like, have you been experiencing that at all? Like, is that some of, I mean, again, some of the work that you're doing as well? Yeah. So yes, I work with collegiate athletes, um, Olympic hopefuls, um, now that the Olympics is over, um, and a lot of the Olympians coming back and then other professional athletes as well outside of the roots. So it comes up a lot. Um, like I work with a lot of collegiate, like juniors and seniors, and they're thinking about next steps. A lot of them are like, I know I'm not gonna, and nor do I want to play at the next level. But like, what does my life look like? So it's like exploring that, like, well, you know, that whole conversation. So definitely that and doing that sooner than later. So it's not like a crisis when they graduate and they're like, look around, be like, what, who am I? And what am I supposed to be doing? So it's so important to have that sooner than later at any time. And even now with my own daughter, I'm just like, you know, like she has her own team that works with her too, but I'm just like, girl, like you need to explore other things even now as a freshman in high school. Like, because softball is one way you express, but you're a multidimensional human. Don't limit yourself like that. Like, yes, you can do that, but you can do other things too. I, I think that that's, it, it's weird because I do think in sports now, like I grew up playing football, baseball, and basketball. I played tennis also, like a golf, whatever. Like I did all uh-huh. these things, like, but football, baseball, and basketball were, you know, like I played throughout high school, but now it's like that specialization of mm. athletes has become, and I think that that puts more pressure on, on, um, youth as well. Um, and, and it's weird because I think other sports, I was just, I just had a, um, a former pro, uh, soccer player on the podcast last week and talking about playing other sports and how those other sports can benefit you. And so it's like, you know, like he, he's a, he was a goalie, but like 
you know, he played baseball growing up as well. And it's like hand-eye coordination. Like that has to help you as a goalie in, in, in those things. But when you remove that, it's just, it's weird to me, like how we seem to be shrinking in, and I know it's all about the mighty dollar, but it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Well, it's interesting you say the mighty dollar because now with the name image and likeness stuff happening so early now, there's pros and cons to that. Like there's a, there's a camp that's like, oh yes, the athletes finally get to be paid for like what they're worth or what they're giving or their intellectual property or their name or whatever. Um, but then the pressure, like you said, to cope with that, like if you're on a team and you're one of the, the players who's not getting NIL endorsements or that type of uh, sort of exposure, then how does that feel when your teammates are? And like, how does that impact the whole sort of dynamic of your team? How does a coach handle that? Like it's, it's complex. It's, I think it's really potentially team destroying. I really do. I just had this conversation the other day with somebody because, you know, like I'm, I'm an Ohio state guy, their fourth string quarterback who's going to supposed to be great is, has a million dollar endorsement. He's the fourth string quarterback. He's making more money than the coaches put together. Probably. uh, Yeah. And it's like, do I think that, that student athletes should be paid? Yes. They, because they don't have the ability to make money otherwise. Like they just, there's no time, but the NCAA, as far as I'm concerned, dropped the ball, like uh, 100%. And, and we've actually talked about, doing some NILs with, with students, but the way we want to do it is actually individually as a team. So it's like, if we, you know, if we work with one person, we want to work with that whole team because we have to do it individually because if you work with a team, it becomes endorsements, then other people get involved and stuff like that. But so if you're like working with individuals of a team, it still keeps that dynamic of team together but it's just, it, it is like, I think it's, I think it's potentially team destroying. It's, it's a weird time. <laughs> yeah. I think I like, like your approach. And I think that my, my take on is I agree students should get paid, but maybe scholarship books, yep. rent, that type of thing, a million dollars, uh, you know, it's crazy. How do, they, how do they manage that? Are you putting in the resources for them to manage that money and all that comes with it? not just the dollar and cents of budgeting, but like the sort of notoriety or the, the spotlight and, and what you're going to deal with from, from your teammates and other people. I think, yeah, there's that. And I think the sport performance consultant can come in and help keep that morale and team cohesion in place if there's a disruption that can come from this or anything else. And that's, that's kind of the work of the sport performance consultant as well. Yeah. So that, that people can come in and, certified folks can come in and like deal with that and have a process. I think that's the key. Yep. Things are going to yep. happen to disrupt team dynamic and cohesion. So have a process to address it, have it in place. Yep. So now it's, uh, it's to me, it's just, it feels like the wild West and I'm just like watching from afar to see exactly what's going to happen because I just, yeah, again, like what are the offensive linemen that get no money are going to do when their quarterbacks getting this amount of money, you know, it's, it's just it, the, yeah. the dynamics can be really weird. So how, I, I'm curious, like, first of all, what sport did you play? I can't remember. Did it, was it soccer? Yeah. It was okay, soccer. That's what I thought. I, I thought it was. I, um, yeah. And yeah. I like, does, do you think like your, your sports 
past like really influences how you deal with athletes now? Like in terms of like that, because I mean, I think that there's got to be some understanding of competition that you went through that like it really probably benefits the teaching that you're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't think I would even be in this field if I wasn't an athlete myself, because because I feel like there's value I can offer and, and still learn. I'm always learning from all my athletes. But yeah, I played from seven to 17 and then I got injured. Yep. And then I could, I was ready to go to college. I wanted to, it was my path. And I, I got injured and couldn't really rise back up to that level. I, I played a little bit longer, but I couldn't get to the collegiate level that I needed to. And there was a, a dark place that I entered in at that point. And my, my parents, you know, just, just didn't know how to support me, just didn't know how to get me the resources to po- support me emotionally and physically with my recovery to get me, you know, back to myself. And to, and to emphasize that I'm bigger than my sport. I only had the identity of a student and an athlete. That's all I had. I didn't know anything else. I didn't feel good about anything else. I didn't have pride in anything else. And um, that, that took a journey on, on its own. That was traumatic and hard. And like I said, I pushed it away. But I think there's so many intrinsic characteristics that we develop as we play that we sometimes don't even realize when we are then put in position to teach someone how to do that as well like to deal with the travel schedule, balancing homework, um, your relationships, the finances of travel. Cause I played travel ball and high school level. So your, your, the seasons are sometimes overlap and like, how do you deal with all that? Um, it's a lot, it's a lot, um, friendships and intimate others. So there's, I, I can relate on so many levels about what the collegiate athlete, any athlete is in prioritizing your time and managing expectations and, you know, giving yourself time to breathe, which is often, you're not told that you can even do that or if it, that it's valued, yep. just push through, keep going, keep going, keep going, yep. you know? Now it, it's, it, it, it's tough. Like it's weird. Like I, I was dealing with some student athletes last year that were just burnt out, you know? Yeah. And it's like, yet they still had half their season left. And it's like, it's, and you know, like there's, and they're even them talking to me, you know, we all start out playing sports because we love them. Yes. And there was that loss of love. And that to me is like sad. And, and, and I talked to them about this. It's like, you got to maintain that love, but understand that these coaches, they're, they're, working for their lives. I mean, they're, you know, yeah. like, and it's, Livelihood, it's, right? a, yeah. it's a tough dynamic to like deal with. Like when, when you're a student, especially because you're just like, you're doing all this stuff and trying to please everybody and trying to maintain that love of the game. And yeah. it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard space to like watch sometimes. So how, like, what are, what are some people that are like influential to you because again i think it's it's for me it's fascinating the kind of this the span of different spaces that you're in again from working with with your child up through professional sports and um i mean but do you are there like athletes that are like influential to you or or you know other clinical uh people like like where like what are the people that like you kind of take those moments from to like push you forward i guess it's interesting when i when you ask about people um 
I mean, nothing. I mean, I think it's groups of people and then my own personal practices that keep me engaged that I've learned along the way. Um, so it's, I, I'm a very relational person. So I have a lot, I, I put a lot into my relationships and in my friendships and I, I value them highly. Um, I'm always learning. I have mentors, I have advisors. Um, I have, you know, folks who have brought me through healing processes. I've been in therapy myself. You know, I've done lots of different things. I think what, what for me is super important is I have to meditate every day. I have to to get in touch with me because those people have helped develop who I am. And it's my job then to access who I am. I don't want their fruit, their, their fruits of labor to be like in vain that they invested in me. And then now I can't go out and give back what they've learned and share it and um, help other people and serve other people. So I, I don't take it lightly, all the sacrifices people have made for me. Um, and I, I want to pay that forward on a regular basis. And so for me to be able to do that, I have to be in tune with who I am. So I'm, I, I meditate, I'm pretty structured um, with some ease um, and, grace, and grace every now and then, but like, I got to stay disciplined in my, in who I am and how I do my work and how I prioritize and how I represent myself. Um, cause, cause that's the way that's, that's where I feel proud. That's where I feel proud of who I am and that I feel confident that what I might say could help someone. And so I just got to stay grounded and stay attuned to myself. So it goes back to my practices. I say gratitudes often. I get sleep. I spend time, you know, with my family. They give so much to me. My mom lives with us. So I have my, my husband, my mom, and then my two kids. Um, they're, they're my life. I, everything I do is for them. And so keeping that inspiration is in, internally created for me right now. And then, I, and then I check it out with people. Like, am I, am I on the right track? Please please tell me if I'm missing something. Am I like totally ignorant here? Or am I like being too ego driven here? Like check me like, cause I want to be coming from my highest self at all times as much as possible. Right now. I, 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 I mean, you're basically practicing what you preach at the mm -hmm. end of the day, which I think is like really, you know, again, holding, holding ourselves accountable sometimes is, is difficult, but like it's, it's the real work that has to be done as well when you're, especially when you're a teacher, which is basically in a lot of ways what you're doing because mm. you're like, you are like, you're giving back to those that need it and, and showing people different ways to make yourself better. Um, and yeah. so again, like that's why I go back to what I was saying at the beginning of why I think the stuff that you're doing is so important. And, break make sure to follow lisa on instagram at lisa bontasumi that's l-i-s-a-b-o-n-t-a-s-u-m-i-i -I, and go check out her new website lisabontasumi.com also make sure to go check out the other podcasts on the abstract athlete network the abstract doctors with dr g and dr c and one man's ethos the tony mandarich podcast now back to lisa and i'll curiosity like you know with with working in like a mental health mental wellness field like have you noticed like in the last year and a half obviously with covid like people's mental health has been like in in a i don't want to say a downward spiral but in, in a different state 
absolutely. I mean, COVID is a stressor, yes, a huge stressor and stressors impact our mental health. So to break it down, like the way I talk to my athletes about it is that your mental health is how you think, feel, and behave. You know, I'm, I'm partnering with Cutler wellness programs right now. She's doing athlete mental health and training and seminars. And then I do the clinical piece and we, we, you know, talk about that often. It's, 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 it's simple, think, feel, and behave. So when something like COVID comes and impacts us and causes us to isolate socially, that's, that's, a, that's a negative impact on our mental health because we can't then act on, we want, we feel like we want to connect. We, we think that we should connect and then our behavior doesn't match it. Like we can't connect in the ways that we wanted to at different times of COVID. Um, the fear, the anxiety of getting it, like a lot of my athletes have had a family member get sick and or pass away from it. Um, it's, it's such an unknown thing right now. There's another variant going on. How do we protect ourselves? You know, our children are in school right now and they're not vaccinated. Are they going to get sick? There's an overlying level of the hum of anxiety is higher. Um, and so because we are aware of that, then we got to put in tools, strategies, practices, and edify that a little bit even more, knowing that the stressor is still with us and has been with us. Um, so whatever it is, what is our response? What are we prepared to do knowing that we can't control COVID? We can't control that loss. We can't control um, the weather. And it's not optimal for our game. So then you have to make the adjustment. What's your response? Um, and what are you willing to do to, to have that response work for you in the most healthy way? Yeah, no, it, it, it I like you you kind of summed up a lot of things that I've been like thinking about and dealing with, with, uh, with the, the COVID and, and athletes as well. It's just, there is that, the fear of the unknown. It's like, well, you can't control the unknown. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. it's, which right. is hard. It's hard to like, kind of put your arms around that sometimes. Like, but it's like, we, you still have to like, we still have to move forward. We have to do it safely and we have to like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's like, we're, we're in a weird space. Like, but Ron, I mean, what you're saying is that it's a, it's, I mean, it's a practice. It's not easy. It's yep. not easy to like recognize what's in your control and what isn't. Yep. You know, I'm always telling my athletes, you got to control the controllables. Yep. Like, yes, you want to win this game, but what are you going to do to contribute to that possibility yep. in your position and in your role? What does your mindset have to be? And what is your physical skill that you want to make sure you are doing on a regular basis um, to get the team there? Yep. So yeah, we all want to win on some level, but like that just doesn't happen. You have to be disciplined in how you know what your role is to, to get the team there. Yep. And you're, you're also somebody that I, one of the, I, one of the rooms that we were in that I really enjoyed was like, you're really a social justice advocate. And, yes. um, do you see any overlap in, in social justice and, and wellness as well? Because I would say that personally, I think that there is some, um, overlap or do you like think of those in, in separate kind of ways or do they just overlap when they overlap? Do you know, does that make sense? No, totally. I, I think so being a social justice activist or advocate is another way an athlete can express their identity. Exactly. You know, so it's just another way that, that the athlete who is a human can feel proud about standing up for something or do something that's meaningful for them, whatever that advocacy or activism looks like. 
Every athlete's going to be different. Every human is going to be different about it and what the causes are and what, what are the ones that move you and that you're passionate about. So I feel it's totally intertwined. I think my, I was raised by social justice activists. So I, I, that's just a part of who I am and it's built in and why I took the social work um, sort of path because it integrates those different environments and experiences into not just the psyche, but the human and the psyche is one, but your experience here as a, as in, in your gender and your sexual orientation and in your, your job and your ethnicity and your culture, like you integrate all that. And so this is just another integration and another expression and another way that an athlete who is human can stand up for something they believe in and, and feel like they have a voice and feel like they can use whatever maybe sort of spotlight or name or in, or being famous can help them to push that message along and to, to, to sort of like get it to the masses in a bigger way. Well, and it, it goes to that thing we were talking about earlier. It's the more than an athlete. It's like, here's, you know, here's the way that I'm expressing myself more than who you're defining me as. And I I think that that's so, it's so important. And it's particularly, it's always been important, but I think it's coming, you know, like, and I'm the, the relationship to COVID again, like, I don't know if it's, but it's coming to a head in a great way that like, we're finally like, these things are starting to come to a head of sorts, whether they push through is up to us. Um, but it's finally like, you know, it, it, for me, it's the last year has been both crazy and beautiful um, at the same time. Yes. No, and it's interesting to have that, what we call sort of like the, the didactic of having two feelings about the same thing yep. that might for opposites. Like it's so intense. Like some, some people have guilt about like feeling good about certain aspects of what COVID has brought us. Like to even like feel guilty about that when people are dying and are sick. Like I know for me, it's helped me learn that like, hey, working from home ain't a bad thing. <laughs> right. For my life, yep. for my life, right? Everyone's life and flow of life is different. But I love being here. Like when we were all sheltering in place and my kids were like um, doing online school only, I loved being in our, all of our different rooms and then we can all converge for lunch and have lunch <laughs> together. Like I really love that. And I know that's a privilege because not everyone had that has that opportunity and, and we're all healthy. And I know that's a privilege. So um, I, I'm not going to do like I'm not, I don't have an office. I don't have a brick and mortar anymore. I just have the Roots HQ and those offices there and then my screen and then like fields, yep. fields and schools I might go to. But I, that works for me. And so being able to identify that is, I think, empowering if we can like move through the guilt of it, because it's always going to be someone better off or worse off than us. I actually, and, like, we got to our face. I was going to say, like, have you been dealing with a lot of the athletes per Zoom or by Zoom lately? You haven't, because I, one of the things, and maybe you can add to this or see if you have the same experience. One of the things I've been realizing is when particularly I'm in class now. So all my teaching is pretty much in person, except there are some students that are still not there, but I, I would meet with students, every student individually every week. And even though I would meet with students in class before COVID individually, the relationship that I would have virtually was so much more intense, so much more vulnerable I felt a way better connection because I think when you're talking to a student in class 
that's like they can still have the other students around them. They're just yeah. not as willing to open up. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, like, if you've noticed that with with athletes, have you noticed like that they're being more vulnerable, being more open because of this, the screen? Yeah, it's interesting. I think it depends on their age and their developmental stage. Because a lot of a lot of like when pre-COVID, a lot with my younger um, clients and athletes, we would do something where we're not looking at each other. Like we would do something, a, an activity or a project, and then the, the conversation would flow. But I think that the screen serves as that other thing now. Yeah. As like there's a little bit of a, a, a cushion, a barrier. I'm not like in person, like staring into your eyes all deeply, <laughs> kind of like see what's going on. But like there's a safety that I think people have yep. with the screen. And so, yeah, surprisingly, I think it's brought like some really intimate conversations. It's close, but not too close. They're able to kind of like, you know, be themselves more and they're in their own environment. They're not in my office. Um, so they feel more comfortable with that. I think there's a lot of pros and cons. I think there's a camps on that as well. Like people think that, oh, it's, it's not as authentic. It's not as genuine because there's a screen and, and we're not in person. And we can't like read our, each other's body language and this and that. And in certain situations that could be better. Um, but I think it depends. Research shows that actually the client or the athlete who's a client gets the same or better uh, benefit from a video session than an in-person. It's the therapists who have the issue with it. Like they want to connect more because they're used to doing that. Yep. This ain't about the therapist. Um, <laughs> the quality of work that, you know, I love being on the field with the guys. I, I love going to the games. I love being in that atmosphere, seeing them in that as atmosphere versus just this. So I get to see them more holistically, yep. which I, I really, really enjoy and, and is beneficial for my work. I don't know. Do you watch Ted Lasso? I don't watch any te television shows, but Ted Lasso. Right, you're like the 85th person who's asking <laughs> that. I'm like, I don't have time for that. Oh my God. I don't have, I, that's literally the only television show I watch, but they've been doing something this season with like a, a mental health. I've heard. It's, it's been yeah. fascinating to me because it, again, like it's bringing it out in the open, which I think yeah. is, is so beneficial for what you do and for what other people in your field do to like have people understand this is not, this is a real thing. And all of us, all of us go through this for through mental health, anxiety, stress, what, like whatever, like all of us do that. And we need to like understand different ways or what our ways are to cope with it. And so like, it was, it's interesting to me to see this on a television show that they're like dealing with, with anxiety and stresses and different stuff. It's, it's pretty fascinating to me. Yeah. I know. Maybe you're the 85th person who's broke the, the front and broke the camel's back. That makes me want to go check it out. But like, I think this is an opportunity for me and it's super important, Ron, for me to like talk about the continuum of mental health. Cause what you're talking about is that, you know, we all have mental health, just like we all have physical health. Yep. Right. And it's on a continuum. Some of us are more physically healthy than others for whatever reason, injury, genetics, um, experience. And some of us are a little bit more solid in mental health because of those same reasons. And so I approach mental health, just like physical health. And there's a preventative place. There's a, there's a treatment, there's interventions, there's recovery, just like in physical health. And so there's a continuum and us really realizing where do we fall on that continuum of pretty, pretty healthy to maybe challenged in our mental health, to maybe in a crisis to all the way to disordered mental health or mental illness. 
that we, we all can flow back and forth within that continuum, even on a weekly basis. And that it is a, it's disordered and or an illness when it impacts our level of functioning in our domains of life. So if our symptoms of anxiety or depression are there, they, we can still be relatively healthy if, if they're managed and we're not, they don't like keep us from showing up to our relationships, keep us from showing up to school like we, we, we know we can, showing up to work, um, showing up to ourselves. So being us being able to know where we're following on the continuum and what we need to do to kind of stay there or like even bump it up a little bit is super important. So that's again where the skills and strategies come in and, and help team a team member, uh, a clinician, a coach to help us get the resources we need and the skills that we need to know that within ourselves, we can move ourselves along that continuum. Um, so I think that's super important to, to, to in the normalizing of the conversation of mental health. No, absolutely. Uh, maybe like kind of last-ish question-y type thing. <laughs> what like, <laughs> well, I know, I know that's how I talk. I just may, you know, awesome, I love it. Um, but like what, like if you could project your future, um, like what, what do you, like, what do you see things going? Because I, you know, like, again, for me, what's so interesting is, is the, the scope of, of who you work with, like you're attached to the NFL in some way, the NFL PA as well. In you know, yes. like, um, like what do you like, what, you know, like a, a projection, like where, where do you see things going? I would love to see that every, every professional team has a mental health sport performance provider on, on their sideline for every game. I see that it's more, it's just as normal to have a, a mental health coach or clinician on your team, just as it is a physical therapist um, or an athletic trainer. Um, I, I see it being more of an everyday thing because we're understanding more and more what mental health is and what it isn't. Mental health is not mental illness. Yep. Mental health does not mean you're weak. Mental health is mental strength. Um, and just, just organizations, teams, and the powers that be stakeholders investing in this just as much as they do everything else for their teams, for their athletes, that there's athletes specialized therapists on every campus. Um, whether that's a JC, a state school or a, a, a university or a private school that there's an athlete specific trained, um, therapist there. Um, and that therapy and sport performance is different. Like the clinician who does therapy and the sport performance con consultant who does mental skills training are two different disciplines and that they're each represented on each campus, each team, whether they're the same person or not. I, I'm, I'm, I do both. So I can do some, sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't depending on the atmosphere environment you're in. So just more and more resources, more and more visibility, more and more conversations, more and more healing, more and more support, and it not not be hidden and not be something that you're ashamed of, um, and that people prioritize it for themselves just as they do their teammates, um, and just more education. So I mean, but you have to be proud of the fact that a lot of these athletes are coming out because it it has to make what you do, I don't want to say it makes it easier, but it has to make it 
more in the forefront. Like this is legit. This is needed. We need to like pay attention to what these athletes are talking about. And, 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 you know, this isn't like, like you said, that's the thing to me. It's like, it's not a weakness. It's a strength to yes. be able to say I'm struggling. That is stronger than anybody thinks. It's brave. Absolutely. It's so brave. Absolutely. And so I, I just think again, you know, I've said this from the beginning when we talked, but like, I just, I think what you're doing is so important. Um, and again, the scope of who you talk to, because I think the earlier we get to, you know, like to, to people, to kids, to let them know that this is not a weakness. This is something you need to talk about this, you know, and we'll figure out different ways to, you know, whatever it is to work through this, that, that, the younger that we're at. So we're, again, it's the proactive approach compared to the reactive approach. Yes. Yes. And, and, and the, the, Yeah. The proactive preventative place before it gets too difficult to manage. Yep. Like, and I start with that in my own home, talking to my children about that. And like, it, I don't work with, with the younger athletes professionally, but I interact with her teammates, you know, her classmates. There's always a little gem I can drop here and there to make them go, huh? Uh, <laughs> is great them thinking about things on their own and wondering is super important and them coming to the places on their own yep. um like a lot of my athletes they sometimes are like i have to ask them why do you play your sport what does it do for you what do you contribute and what do you gain and sometimes they've never been asked that question they just do it because it's expected because they've always done it because it's what they were told to do and so i i, I make sure okay so Here's my question again, you know, to expect it, like what made you get up and go to training this week? What made you get up and get ready to compete and, and earn that roster spot? What was it? It's always something non-related to the actual physicality of performing the sport. Right. You know? It's so intense and personal and really rewarding and moving to hear like what is what moves them to be who they are. Um, and, and, and it's rewarding. And I, I am proud that people can talk about it, can be um, vulnerable and brave at the same time to, and strong to be honest about what their experience is and knowing that when they speak, their stories inspire others. And that's, that's, that's amazing. That's such a big component, like of, of what we're doing, um, with the abstract athlete is having, you know, these former athletes and or current athletes. And we work with veterans as well. Cause you know, they're dealing mm -hmm. with the same, um, that's right. Same issues. But to have have them as as spokespeople, and I, like I don't even mean it like that. That sounds bad, but to like to have their voice attached to what we're doing, it is inspiring. Like you know, we work with Tony Mandrich. I always use Tony Mandrich as an example. I don't know why, but he's like you know he's like a huge human being, and he was like on the cover of Sports Illustrated multiple times, and he makes these beautiful photographs. And for me, it's like this this idea like when this guy walks into a room you know, like you look at him, that's a, that's an athlete right there, but then you see these photographs. And I always say it gives people permission to be creative mm -hmm. because I think that, you know, yeah. it, it almost is like, it's almost like that being vulnerable enough to talk about your mental wellness. It's like, you're being vulnerable enough to show what people perceive as a softer side of you, which is not, but it, you know, like that's the perception. Elena Della Don, who's like, who makes furniture, like, She's amazing. And like, I don't think most people realize that she has that side to her. 
And I think that that's important for that side to be shown because she's one of the greatest female basketball players of all time. But like, then you look at like these incredible furniture designs that she does. And it's like, see more than an athlete, more than this, more than who who you think that I am. Exactly. So, and I think I don't, I'm sorry. And I apologize. I don't know these two athletes, but like, I think it with athletes of color, especially black athletes, when you're big and muscular and they look like an athlete, why don't you play sports or do you play sports or da 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 that they, they put them in a box. box. Totally limiting Mm -hmm. that your value is only your physical body and what it can do Yep. To, to move someone's budget along or like be commodified or make money off of. Yep. They're not just that, right? And they have so much more talent. And I think it's so important, like for the younger kids to see that yep. and to oh. see that they are talking about it. That's, yeah. the, that's the inspiration. That's the permission part. It's like, oh, if, if, you know, Vernon Davis, who we work with, like is a painter and like they see a paint it's like, oh, well, Vernon Davis played 14 years in the NFL and he's a painter and now he's an actor. And like, if he can do that, I can do that. You know, and like that's Absolutely. a huge, huge thing. So yeah, life after sports, like your, 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 your life doesn't end when you can't perform anymore or yep. don't want to perform anymore. You have to know that you have a value as a human above and beyond that. Yep. And, and these are great examples that you're sharing yep. of, of former athletes doing that. So that's yep. amazing. Well, Lisa, I, I know you're a busy person. So I just want to, again, thank you so much. Like this was actually a blast because first of all, it was nice to just see you like, as opposed to just <laughs> hearing you. Um, but like it, it, you know, again, I, not to just keep reiterating this. I just, I, I really appreciate what you're doing in the world because I do think it's so freaking important um, and, and the way that you're inspiring people and, 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 and just showing people different, different things and, and, and how you're, how you're promoting what you're doing, because again, like the promotion of it is also important because we got to get people to realize that this is, this is a real thing. This, like, this isn't this, you know, so it's just like, I just absolutely appreciate how, you know, taking the time and, um, you know, look forward to catching up again soon and hopefully being in yes. another room and, um, Absolutely. and I'll be, this will be coming out on Monday. So, Oh yeah. By the way, do you have any, I always write new kind it's, it, I just fiddle around on my computer making music, but do you have any kind of style of music that you like? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I like, what do I like? Cause I'll try to skew it to a certain like, like, like a Neo, like a Neo soul R and B okay. hip hop kind of stuff. Like okay. Khalid. I really like Khalid. Okay. Um, something like that. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to get something. <laughs> and I always just try to, you know, like I just get on, on garage band and uh, kind of fiddle around and do some stuff. So. So check. So if you want, you can look up this song called peaches by okay. Justin Bieber. Oh Yeah. Have you heard that one? I with, have. Um, t- so that's kind of like my stilo right now. Okay. I, I get hyped with that song and, just <laughs> and I move. So like, yeah. I so, wish we could actually use uh, these people's music, but it costs. Yeah, I know. Way- so that flavor, that genre. Yeah, that that, okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Lisa, again, thank you. Um, this was like so fun um, just to like catch up a little bit. And, and again, keep doing like what you're doing, because again, I, I just, it's, it's really great. Um, and hopefully, you know, in the future, like we can collaborate in some ways. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if I I've told you this, like we, we bought 20 acres of land in Montana 
with hmm. with the idea to do an artist athlete residency. So it's it's something that we're going to be doing workshops and different stuff when when we you know start building on it. And, and I think I think it's something that you could be involved in and actually coming out. Um, like, cause you know, one of the groups we uh, talking to Caston, as a matter of fact, um, mm -hmm. that, um, I think would be a great thing is to have like post Olympic athletes come out there because, you know, yeah. like the highs and lows of being an Olympian are, are yeah. just, it's insane. I just don't think most people understand like that crash and burn of that, you know? So, oh, it's so intense. So, so intense. So I mean, to the point where people like, you know, die by suicide because of it. Absolutely. Intense. No, I would love to collaborate, Ron. Yep. I think you're doing amazing stuff too. I, I love the creative side. I, I, I think we are, you know, we complement each other really yep. well um, in the work that we're doing. Um, you know, looking at the athlete as a full human in ways that they can express themselves. And like, yep. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and, and look forward to it again. Yep. And yeah, I would love to collaborate. I'm yep. actually... Funny enough, I talked with Caston yesterday. Oh, did you? I've actually, I'm actually um, launching. It's called Ath Mindset. I, I have it open. I was I forgot to mention that. Duh. I we're still recording, so it doesn't matter. But yes, like I was gonna promote that. I was gonna make sure that it was cool. This this is a new site, correct? So yeah, I'm 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 my people are trying to work on it. I'm not good at the technical <laughs> stuff, so I'm trying to like get that going. But it means that I'm gonna be partnering with. Cutler Wellness Programs, who I mentioned earlier, to actually be in a lot of different colleges across the country. That's awesome. So it's it's just super exciting. I love. I'm so grateful for the support and the and the motivation and push to make it happen. Yep. Um, the site looks so, great. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, I'll I'll definitely put this on on the text part and probably in the opening as well. So okay, the site looks Thank great. You so so, yeah. yeah. All right. Appreciate well, have, have an awesome day. I don't know how it is. It's humid as hell here on the East coast as it always is. So <laughs> trying to survive. Yeah. Uh, we just, we yeah. just had like little massive flooding yesterday that it actually flooded uh, the main highway. It was crazy. Like oh it was, they God. actually canceled classes in-person classes last night because of flooding. I was like, I've never had that happen. So yeah, it was, it was crazy. So yeah, trying to survive. Yeah. Stay so, safe. Yep. Stay safe. You too. All right. <laughs> we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are the best. Thank you so much. You are too. Bye, Ron. Really, really loved the discussion today with Lisa. Like I said, she's doing such important work in the field of mental wellness such an incredibly inspired dedicated human with energy and passion just love everything she is doing to change the world and really the perception of mental health amazing amazing person make sure again to follow her on instagram at lisa bontasumi that's l-i-s-a-b-o-n-t-a-s-u-m-i-i -I, and go check out her new website lisabontasumi.com Reminder to check out the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich Podcast. Thank you for listening to The Abstract Athlete Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and our social media outlets for future events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and other information, including daily creative training journals and subscription boxes. Thank you as always. We will see you next week. And as always, do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there. <laughs>